Global Citizen, The Arrival, Chapter 46. After communion, Tracy and the tall, shiny silver figure left his room. Then, Forty-One went back to look over his shoulder, and he and Three looked at the all-important page in the picture book. Remember this, he exclaimed emphatically, and he laughed and bounced little Tracy on his knee. The music from the page was exquisite as he held the book up with amazement. Then he said it again with ultimate exuberance. Remember this, Tracy, just get here. And he was practically dancing. Whatever you do, just get here. And his breath was caught with relief. Just get here, and I will come and see you again, he said. When you see this again in real life, I will come back and visit you. If you say yes, I will take over your life, and we will have a really good time. Just make it to this, Tracy. Just make it to this, Tracy. And he turned to Forty-One and said, This is that. And Tracy was gently placed back into his forty-one-year-old body with a quiet whisper. This is that. No, Tracy, Bob decreed. I did just hear from God, and he also told me to tell you to look. And Bob's arm went up of its own volition. Then it was revealed to Tracy that he was trained to deal with this transfer between worlds. Tracy remembered the time he was driving his team in the rental car. He stopped at the red light, and the angel grabbed him to show him the zoetrope of images he was about to visit in Europe. When Tracy was returned to his body, he was literally jolted. As he sat with his foot on the brake in this world, Tracy's entire body was tensed as with an electric shock, and the last thing he wanted to be doing was driving a car. However, because Tracy sat behind the wheel, he was forced to navigate the physical world immediately after being in the supernatural. When he was returned, even though Tracy's body was foreign to him, he had to concentrate to operate his limbs, calm his grip on the steering wheel, and feel the brake before the light turned green. Yes, Tracy, he confirmed. You are a dual citizen designed to operate equally in both worlds at will. Are you okay? Bob asked. Tracy looked beyond Bob as if he saw through him, and then Bob noticed. You smell funny. And Tracy came back to this world fully. Y you smell that too? Tracy asked. Tracy picked up his collar with both hands to smell his shirt. He inhaled deeply to get as much of it as he could, and his eyes welled with tears from the essence he hadn't experienced in eighteen years. Yeah, Bob said, and smelled the same thing as strongly. What is that? That's Bootsy, Tracy said. My mom. And Tracy saw into the frame, and the moment in time recorded by the beveled glass as clear as he was standing on the dock. She just picked me up out of the doorway. Tracy said, and ran across the street with me under her arm when I was three. Bob looked at Tracy with wonder in his eyes. I can't explain it, Tracy said, because he couldn't begin to explain anything he had just experienced. 
Instead, Tracy turned away from Bob, and he threw it right back on him. Lord, Tracy thought, I don't understand what just happened. I smell Mom all over me. That wasn't answered. Instead, Tracy kept smelling his collar to hold on to the scent of Vera as long as possible. Then he looked over the broad expanse of the river to the south. When Tracy saw the cross again, he remembered. When you see this again in real life, I will come back and visit you. As Tracy saw the cross that he drew in the sixth grade for the first time in real life, which was now at the end of the point, Tracy knew he had arrived at a set time. He was at an orchestrated crossroads, and this was the moment of impact. This was the predetermined point in time when the natural collides with the supernatural. This was that. Tracy also understood, from recently sitting at his table, that if he recognized the impact prior to it happening, he could take advantage of it, which was why Tracy was shown his room. But Bob knew none of this, and was ecstatic as they left the dock. He literally ran circles around Tracy, bouncing up and down like a cartoon character. I just heard from God! I just heard from God! I just heard from God! Bob yelled, because he had never experienced him so directly, and the presence of his voice alone was more than he could handle. To Tracy, Bob was more annoying than Freddy ever was, and he knew he had to stay focused. Tracy knew his emotions could sidetrack him, just like Three said. Tracy didn't want to get stuck in the mud anymore, and wanted to see the supernatural done in the natural. Tracy also understood that what was about to happen was a make-or-break moment. Although, if the tall, shiny silver figure orchestrated it, Tracy knew he would carry him through it. So the couple walked back up the curved drive to the office, Bob skipping and laughing, and Tracy in a deep well of preparation. Lord, Tracy thought, I don't understand all of what just happened, but I am taking my butt out of the way so you can bless me. Then Tracy looked around and turned in a circle pointing both his index fingers in every direction as he turned. This is where we're supposed to live, Bob sang, and did another circle around Tracy. Tracy kept turning and pointing, and Tracy recognized the two of them as a wheel in the middle of a wheel. But if you want to love me this much, Tracy added, don't let me stop you. Just help me receive it. All right, he said. Because you asked like that, I will confirm it for you one more time. But this time, when I do, write it down. What do you want me to write down, Lord? Tracy asked. I will tell you what to write down and when to write it, he said. Fine by me, Tracy thought with the sarcasm of this world. Remember, I don't have a job no way. I've got nothing to lose. I'm just on a bike ride. Besides... And Tracy became bewildered. As he went, Tracy realized his entire body felt like when he painted the vision in the sixth grade. 
Tracy had experienced the same tingle when he took possession of his arm to draw the flowing wheatgrass, except now Tracy's entire being was quivering. He experienced an alert sense of awareness that was not his own, as if he was inside a bubble looking out. Anything that wanted to come into his bubble had to come through a force field of angels who were continually vigilant. As Tracy felt their alert presence, he visualized a peace he had not known before, and it was easier for Tracy to connect his déjà vu moments. This is the time you spoke about, Tracy thought, when you told me that one day you would take over my life and that we would have a really good time. Yes, Tracy, he said warmly. You are almost there. As Tracy pondered that, he had another revelation. You've been talking to me an awful lot lately, Tracy noticed, and he smiled. I need you to tell my people that their parents were not the first ones to invent the hot-cold game, he said. As my people get closer to their promised land, I will direct them the same way. And the tall, shiny silver figure could hardly contain himself. You are almost there, he whispered, and Tracy opened the door to the office. Welcome, gentlemen, the innkeeper said, and peered over his wire reading glasses. Tom sat in a large black office chair behind a tall white counter and long homemade desk. His chair could face the computer cabinet to his right, or swivel to face guests entering the office, so Tom remained seated when Bob and Tracy walked in. "'I see you didn't let the cross scare you,' Tom said. "'Yeah,' Bob said. "'What is that for?' "'We have cross burnings every Thursday night,' Tom said with a straight face. Immediately, Tracy recognized the offense before the blessing and decided to neutralize it. And a barbecue on Saturdays, I hope, Tracy quipped. Because if so, count me in as grill master. Which made Tom look over his glasses again. That was pretty good, Tom noted. And you were quick with that. I think you're going to have a good time while you're here. And he handed Tracy the paperwork to rent the last cabin, and Tracy gave him his card. After this is over with, Tom continued, Let's sit down and have a drink on the back porch. The boys thought it was a little early, but liked the idea. Tom handed Tracy the receipt on the counter. As soon as he signed, Tom swapped the receipt for the keys in a simultaneous action from his chair. Then he launched into his check-in speech. Now, gentlemen, Tom said, the big key goes to the padlock on the gate and the small key goes to your cabin. Parking is on the left side past the office, and the driveway is one way. Remember that, because it pisses me off when people can't figure out how to read the giant one-way sign posted in front of the house. And mind your speed, because it's a driveway, not a highway. Breakfast is 8 to 10 in the main house, and we lock the gate at 5 o'clock. And Tom looked over the top rim of his glasses. And make sure no one piggybacks behind you when you open and relock the gate, because I'm tired of chasing people out of here. And Tom paused. 
Tracy noticed that Tom was interrupted and had a bewildered look on his face. Then Tom tilted his head to the side, and Tom looked off in the distance before he leaned forward and said, Do you guys want to buy this place? Hello everyone, Tracy here. I hope you're enjoying my story. We'll let you know how to support this podcast later. But for now, the best thing you can do is follow us and share it with your friends and family. So if you like what you're hearing, please help us out by telling people about it. And thanks again. Instantly, time stopped. A door frame of light appeared behind Tom. At first, Tracy thought it was the door to the back room, except it was much taller. But rather than opening as a single door, the way it had behind Moody before Tracy was about to be put into the ice water, this door kept opening. At first, it opened like French doors. Then, the doorway opened as a curtain to an immense stage, and Tracy was at the center. From Tracy's perspective, what was revealed was row after row of clouded balconies with people peering over them. Similar to a stadium, except it was in the dimensions of heaven, thousands upon thousands of witnesses appeared decked in special attire. Their rows made a grand coliseum. Only this time, Tracy noticed the hats the witnesses wore were unique to each individual. Each hat had a feather that shimmered with iridescent rainbow colors intermittently, which was how they communicated. Then it was revealed to Tracy to understand each person's feather as a flame, and was reminded of the feathers that had appeared above the Holy Spirit as a phoenix. Then Tracy understood the flames were how each witness was made to know, even as also they were known. This wasn't to say the stacked clouds of witnesses were quiet. Far from it. The roaring cheers of the vast assembly engulfed Tracy. They were wild as they toasted each other before joy was refilled from the bottom of their goblets. They slurred and stammered, completely drunk in the spirit. Front and center were Tracy's familiar cheering section. He recognized Moody, Freddy, Vera, and Granny Berger. Even though their heavenly bodies were at the sum peaks of their lives, and they were as carefree as butterflies. You made it, brother! Freddy hollered. Hallelujah! Granny Berger shouted. I've been praying for this day! I love you, honey! Vera screamed, and when she waved, a unified cheer erupted from the crowd. Moody beamed, and then Freddy spilled joy all over him. Moody laughed when he went to brush it off his new clothes, except it disappeared before he had a chance. All of this was overwhelming for Tracy, who knew not to let his emotions get the better of him. Without an outlet, all Tracy could do was run back and forth in front of the long white counter of the office. Tracy looked for an exit on stage left, and ran to the other end to escape stage right, but he was trapped in the moment of his appointed time. His stage was set, 
and Tracy felt like the grand prize winner as more and more rows of clouds billowed behind another, higher and higher. More witnesses appeared in astonishingly brilliant multicolored attire, and were even more absurdly drunk in the spirit. Then, out from behind Tom's chair, the tall, shiny silver figure popped out to Tracy's right. He stood and spread his arms with an excited shout, and he sounded like a game-show host. Tracy, I have been waiting for you to get here since... And he pulled up his left sleeve to reveal what looked like a wristwatch. And Tracy marveled at the timepiece, because a holographic image shone above it. The universe spun backwards above the watch, which narrowed to the solar system, and then down to Earth, and zoomed in on the United States to West Virginia. Then Tracy saw scenes of his life flip backwards to when he was three years old and in the hospital room, which was when he yelled, You were three years old! Wow! he exclaimed, as if completely amazed. But everything Tracy was experiencing made his flesh want to run for the hills, so he added, Oh, yes. Peace. Peace. Tracy instantly calmed down, and all manner of disbelief and unease left him. I should have said that first, he said apologetically. Tracy stood in his presence, as Tracy had so many times before in his life, but this wasn't a vision. This was on earth. In addition, the multitude of witnesses not only sparkled, they made a sound like a drone buzzing with excitement as the tall, shiny silver figure spoke. Not only that, with so many people watching so excellently dressed, Tracy felt naked. Before Tracy could say they were a distraction, the tall, shiny silver figure turned and faced the multitude. Okay, okay, the tall, shiny silver figure said, and he raised his arms as a fifth-grade teacher would in front of an excited class on a field trip. You are only here to be witnesses, he announced with love. With those words, there was a hush, although it was interrupted by drunken giggles and intermittent shouts of, Tracy! And, He's finally here! Across the breadth of the arena, the humongous crowd settled down and only sipped their goblets of joy. Then, Tracy finally had the wherewithal to turn to Bob. Bob, Tracy said. Bob, do you see this? And Tracy waved his hand in front of his face. But there wasn't a blink. Bob and Tom were frozen in mid-breath, and he turned from the crowds to face Tracy. Tracy, he said. I stopped time so we could have this conversation. No one can see or hear us but you. Tracy realized the word us included the throng of witnesses, which seemed ironic by an earthly standard, but appropriate for the immense, opulent grandeur of his grace. All you have to do is say yes, Tracy, as he stated before, and I will take over your life from here. And he smiled. And we will have a really good time. Then he looked at Tracy the way he did when they discussed now faith, when Tracy had sat at his table in his room before Tracy took communion with the Holy Spirit. 
This is that, he repeated with expectancy. The many clouds of witnesses paused. Suddenly, you could hear a pin drop, except for the collective understanding of the theme from Jeopardy that played in everyone's mind before time would be up, and it was Tracy's choice if he didn't have enough faith to take on what the Lord had for him. Yes, Tracy stated. The clouds and clouds went wild with cheers. Yet above the frenzy, Tracy could hear Vera, Freddy, and Moody scream with abandon. But Granny Berger couldn't contain herself, because she not only loved Jeopardy, her great-grandson answered correctly. You go, boy! Granny Berger yelled at the top of her new lungs. Then the tall, shiny silver figure hunkered down like a football linebacker, and Tracy was the quarterback, and Tracy got scared. I ain't never played football, Tracy thought. That was Freddy, who only did it to me, girls. I did not ask you all that, he said quickly, and did not change his stance. So, Tracy thought he was about to be squashed by an overabundance of love. Instead, his right arm extended from his body, which was followed by his hand and index finger, that stretched until it hovered above the guest book on the counter in front of Tracy. Write this down, he instructed. Then he looked into Tracy's eyes, and he quoted without the use of speech. And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? As his finger touched the guest book. He continued to communicate with his eyes, and the tall, shiny silver figure downloaded future events into Tracy as he moved from his stance to catch up with his finger. As he got closer, the pupils in the Lord's eyes turned to a flame, which Tracy recognized as his own reflection, but was actually the image of the Holy Spirit within himself. Is that how you see me? Tracy marveled. The tall, shiny silver figure was immensely pleased, and Tracy realized how he was transforming grace upon grace. Then he walked through Tom, through the desk and counter, and toward the door behind Tracy. Yet his index finger never left the guest book, and his eyes never left Tracy's gaze. But everything else in the office became translucent as he walked out the door and his elongated arm kept his finger on the guest book. Then he began to float upward, and a cloud enveloped the tall, shiny silver figure. As he rose, the cloud descended the length of his arm to his hand, and when the sleeve of the cloud reached his fingertip, it was retracted from the page, and time instantly resumed. Do you guys want to buy this place? Tom asked, and Bob gasped. <gasps> Tracy stared behind Tom because the entire host of witnesses had disappeared, which left an amazing void. Tracy did have the presence of mind to remember his last instruction, which was, write this down. Tracy wrote his name, Bob's name, and then wrote the address to the townhouse, his email address. You're not saying anything, Lord, Tracy thought. I have seen and experienced too much today not to believe what I saw. I experienced time repeating itself, 
flipping through the pages of my book backwards and a gazillion people goading me on. Not to mention Mom, who I smelt here in this realm. And Tracy was determined. So I will doodle over this page for a year. As soon as Tracy committed himself and purposed his flesh to stand in that moment without saying another word until the tall, shiny silver figure answered, instantly Tracy heard him, and he wrote it down. B.T.W. Owners don't sign the guest book. Happy birthday, Bob. Oh. Tracy realized. I misspelled the word guest. Should I cross it out? No, Tracy, he said. Guess what I'm about to do next. The Arrival Afterwards Cue music to be read hearing Walking on Sunshine by Katrina and the Waves. Bob read over Tracy's shoulder and told Tom that owners don't sign the guest book, so they were going to buy the inn. Bob and Tracy's first morning on the point was July 7th of 2007, or 777. However, that took three years. Every morning, by his instruction, Bob and Tracy sat on the front steps of the townhouse, pointed east, and said, Black Walnut Point Inn, come to us now. In the meantime, he prepared them. Bob learned what Tracy had experienced with him, was born again, and on June 6, 2010, the Secret Place of Peace was moved from Lot 91 to the end of Tillman Island. The following summer, Granny came to visit the inn she had heard about for three years. Being from the mountains, she wondered, How high does that water get? However, she was delighted and saw all that the Lord had done for Tracy before she went to be with him the following year. Then Bob and Tracy set about transforming the inn. They offered a sanctuary discount, and began planting gardens according to what seed he showed them to put in the ground. As with all things with him, everything increased, and over the years Black Walnut Point Inn became a haven, where the most usual statement from guests was, Heaven on Earth. Then Marilyn voted for gay marriage. Bob and Tracy were the first on Black Walnut Point to marry. Six other couples joined them, which got the attention of the Washington Post, television, and international media outlets, which put them on the forefront of the revelation Tracy had received. To celebrate their marriage, Tracy's father and family came to the inn, and Tracy was pushed into his ministry. Now, Tracy marries many of the couples that come to Black Walnut Point Inn to celebrate love. Whatever you do, just get here, he said, which Tracy did, and he said yes. Then Tracy realized the revelation of Peter, and that he is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, Tracy continues demonstrating the love walk to everyone who asks how he arrived. There, Tracy lives in his dreams, sees rainbows often, prisms of light through water, and he walks on those promises, walking 
on sunshine. Selah. John 3. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. For I rejoiced greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. This concludes Dual Citizen, The Arrival, read by the authors Tracy Staples Wilson and Bob Zuber. We also thank Miss Emily Moore for providing our musical interludes. And we hope you find your place at the table. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you would like to purchase the book, Dual Citizen, it is available on Amazon. Be sure to search for Dual Citizen, The Connection. All three books, The Connection, The Training, and The Arrival, are available in print as well as on Kindle. Dual Citizen, The Connection, is also available on Audible. Thanks again. And we hope you find your place at the table.